podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to post-match raw for the League Cup. As you know, Trev doesn't do this nonsense, but his partner in crime does, and that's Dave, who I presume you had your first drink in a while and ask you to do this one, Dave. I see myself as a man of the people guy, so I'm here while Downey is off living the hedonistic lifestyle that he so wants to. Uh, I'm here working. I like it. I like it. And it means you don't have to do the next few rounds as well. I appreciate it. Um, I might have to bully Trev into doing it. But he, I think he did the semi-finals last year. Oh, oh yeah, years when, it, when it gets fancy. When we're playing Man City. None yeah. of this championship stuff. None of this championship stuff. Uh, but we do have one of my cup run regulars with me, so we are going to win the tournament thanks to this man, and that is Stephen. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm good. My run continues. Absolutely, absolutely. Your med- did you get your medal for the year, the near quadruple season? No, I even gave away my ticket to the to the uh, the final final because I couldn't go. But hey, you bastard! There's always this year. You should have had a box named in your honour at Wembley. That's what it should have been. <laughs> I want to go to the Viva in May. Oh dear, dearie me. Um, yeah, Dublin would be fun if we do get there. Um, Right, you've both missed the start of the game, so I'm going to either blame Irish internet or the Shire internet where Stephen lives, or you both forgot what time kickoff was. Which one was it? Well, I asked you earlier, was it a seven forty-five kickoff, and you confirmed to me that it was. And then in my head, and, and I didn't. Then I did two-footed. <laughs> I emphasised the fact that it was a seven forty-five kickoff, and then decided in my own head that it was an eight pm kickoff. And uh, turned the game on at three minutes past eight. So that was really good on my behalf. It's okay. We, the people of England and the UK got to watch Eddie Howe against Pep Guardiola in a nice under-21 fixture, um, which was fun, I presume. <laughs> but seeing as I'm the only one who seemingly watched the first 15 minutes, I will run through this and then we'll come back to the starting 11s and then we can do a bit more. Um so basically, we start off, we get a free kick, which leads to a counter from them, and we'll go back to their goal. Uh, maybe a tad weak by Simicast, but if there was VAR, which we'll come on to, it might have got ruled out um, for, for, for a foul. We have no midfield. There was a shout for a Doak penalty. I thought that was a penalty, but I don't think either of you have seen that shout, and we'll come back to the, the VAR discussion. He just missed time tackle from James just in there. Um, and then a couple shots from us and Jota forgetting how to use his limbs. That's basically the first 15 minutes. But, um, Stephen, I'll come to you for the goal and then we'll go back to the starting 11s with Dave. Um, it's not great from us and it's just very easy to counter attack on us. And it's a bit of a 
well, it is an excuse, but it looks like the first time these lads have played together, which I will probably become more and more familiar as the Europa and Cups go on, but we did look very disorganised defending in transition. We did, but it did look like Costas got fouled. And I I think uh, not Jason McAteer's son is offside from what I've seen. I think he does a good. I think no. Play. I think he was on. I think he was pretty far on by the what I've seen. No, oh, I've only seen it from one angle. It looks like he's done a good quality pepper in Zaghi of pretending to be onside but not really being onside. Mm. Um, I don't know. Like the back fours again. Like, like have these four actually? Well, obviously they haven't played together because no, no one's four. played with Curtis at right back. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's three minutes in. It's hard. I mean. Yes, we shouldn't be conceding a, ch- a chance like that, but it's hard to say to the two centre backs who've never played together. Have they played together? This season's a bit of a mush. Um, what did Kwanzaa play I with? I can't remember who Kwanzaa played with in the league. But no, Kwanzaa very... played with Matip, so. Yeah, right, thought, okay. so. And then Ibu came on for Kwanzaa. Yes. A really unfamiliar pairing and. He just gets in and behind, but you know, if Costas isn't fouled in the first place, it doesn't even happen. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But I mean, Dave, is that lack of cohesiveness in defence a knock-on effect of the team sheet? And just to go through the defence as we're talking about the goal, is Jones in the hybrid role, which was a bit strange, but we'll discuss it as it went on. I've got agreement of the game, to be fair. Um, Ibu, Quadens, Simicas, and then Endo, Elliot, Gravenberch, Doak, Gakpo, and Jota, just to name the others. But that defence, on paper, it looks fine. But, yeah, the midfield in front didn't seem to turn up till later in the game, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, the expectation was that it would be Besetic at right-back, that centre-back pairing, Costas at left-back, Keller and goal. So, Curtis was a bit of a surprise inclusion. Um, but then when you think about it, you know, all of the, the leadership group are out. Curtis is then the longest serving player at the club who's not part of that leadership group. So the captaincy would fall to him and he may well have asked to play. Um, yeah. To his credit, uh, it, it took him a little while to get used to that position. But I thought he really grew into the game and, and actually had quite an influential game from, from that spot. The two centre-backs looked largely good for the... the now, admittedly, I missed the goal, their goal. So they they looked good from when I started watching. Um, Costas was a lot better than he'd been last week against Lask. So that was good. But I, I would have liked to have seen Besetich play at right-back, Curtis then in midfield, and Harvey on the right wing with Ben Doak out of the team. Uh, like, it's nothing against Ben Doak. I just I just don't think he's ready at this point. And yeah. I, I think it's, it's a lot of huff and puff. You know, he's got great pace, but there's absolutely no final ball. The decision-making is not there, and you don't expect it to be there because he's 17. But, like, I don't know that I've ever seen Ben Doak do anything else other than put his head down, run, and then try a cutback. I don't think I've ever seen him just, like, whipping across, you know, that's not along the ground. Um, I would have liked to have seen Harvey play there. I think it just would have made us a bit stronger. Mm-hmm. But 
look, that's not to say Dog had a bad game or anything like that. I don't think anybody outright had a bad game. I thought as a whole in the first half, we were iffy, but should have been ahead. I mean, we missed a couple of big chances. You know, Dog missed a chance. Cody missed a chance. Jota forgot he had limbs for a little Jota while. forgot he had limbs. Like, we could easily have been 3-1 up at half time. So, you know, it, it's all, obviously, it's scoreline dependent how you view a game. Because we play the exact same game again, and we could be 3-1 up at half time, and then everybody looks at it much differently. So, we go behind, but I thought once the, the team sort of settled in, and once the midfield started to be able to really get some imprint on the game, I, I thought we were chasing shadows a little bit early on and they were a bit more physical and a bit quicker to the ball. But once we settled in and started to control things, I I thought it started to look a lot better. That then made the defense look a lot more comfortable. And then Curtis was able to pick and choose his moments Mm -hmm. to, to invert because he wasn't doing it nearly as often as say Trent would do it. Mm -hmm. He was playing as a traditional right back quite a lot more and to his credit, I thought he played well. And it is something I mentioned on Scouted Today when we recorded with Carl. Like, he, he had played a couple of appearances as a right-back, filling in in games uh, back in 2021. So it's not completely foreign to him, even if this hybrid role is is kind of a new thing. But the guy can play pretty much anywhere, and I I didn't feel worried seeing him there. Yeah, that was the thing. I think when everyone, when we saw the graphic for the um, team, I think most people thought maybe it'd be Endo at right back. But obviously it was Jones listed as the second name after Kelleher, Stephen. I mean, were you surprised about Jones being there? Or were you think, oh, hybrid so, role, I can see it? So this might amuse you, Guy, but because um, I'm a bit dyslexic, <laughs> I read the team sheet. And because I always type Joe Gomez as Joe Mez, Yes. Um, I read the team, and because I scan read because I'm a bit dyslexic, I saw the back four, and because my brain realised it wasn't Basetich or um, Trent, mm. I just read that as Gomez. I like so it. it about, I like it. So it was in like the 22nd, 23rd minute when we had a free kick on the right-hand corner of the box. And I was like, what the fuck is Jones doing? Has somebody got injured? What have I missed? And that's when... <laughs> uh, I took to WhatsApp and you and you were like, no, Jones is playing right back. So I had a bit of a surprise because my brain doesn't work like a normal human being. And I thought Gomez was playing right back. It's a better excuse than, than most, to be fair. I like it. I like it. But when I realised what was going on, I do think Pep Blinders went full Pep Blinders. But I think, I think actually, Dave, you're right. It's because he was captain, wasn't he? And they were just trying to put him somewhere because being Elliot at right back would have been a bit of a disaster. Um, yeah, and to would, be would have been funny though. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we could have had Doak as a as a right wing back. It could have could have been mad. Um, I mean, sorry, Stephen, you go. I mean, if, if you wanted to go full pep, Gagbo right back would have been funny. Elliot would have been a minor my, my, my disaster. But um, I th- yeah, I, th- I didn't mind the the lineup. I was glad to see the likes of Ali and Mo were even in the squad. Like they were sent home and. Told watch the match eating a takeaway or something nice, but um, I was just glad to see some players. I was more glad to see certain players not in the team than specifically he was playing. I do agree with Dave though. I don't think I think Doak is just he's 
I think everyone was fit and firing. He probably won't be starting today. I don't think he should start. As I was chatting to Doctor Bartz about this, and he, you know, he just he doesn't have, as he said, he doesn't really have an end product yet. He sort of flatters to deceive. He's quick and he's direct, but he hasn't quite worked out when playing against full-sized men type human beings what to do with the ball at the box. Yeah, I think he's definitely still one for the under twenty ones. But it is nice to it is nice in these early rounds of the uh, Europa and League Cup that he is getting these minutes. Yeah. But I think if we were in if we were a Champions League team, this would be his one and maybe only game of the season. I'm guessing the League Cup draws tonight. Maybe we'll see who we play. Um, there were two things I did like, which was because of listening to UP on the way to work this morning hmm. and hearing Cy go on about um, players getting used to play together. I think even though I don't agree with Elliot playing as a midfielder, Klopp's going to play him there. So just to see the fact it was Elliot, Edna and Gravenberch and giving them a chance to start to build that familiarity, those relationships and getting used to playing together, I thought was a good thing. And, you know, Gatbo and Jota, I was pleased it was those two and not the first players, first choice players. But I also listened to uh, Dave and Carl on the way home. And I do agree, Dave, that like... I like the pairing, but I don't like Gapo as the nine. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I just don't think... Yeah, like, I'd rather see him play on the left. I think he could just offer a bit more when it's him and Jota. When it's, you know, when it's Diaz or when it's Darwin, because they have a bit more speed and a bit more directness than Diogo. And I think they can just cause defenders more problems. But with Jota, like, you saw his goal tonight. Like, he's he's a poacher. He, he belongs in and around the box. And you want to get him opportunities he can just turn and swivel on and fire away first-time shots. When you ask him to do too much, like, he probably he probably had the worst game of anybody tonight. He managed to get a goal, but prior to that, absolutely nothing was really coming off from Like, he beat the first man and just run into somebody else over and over and over again. His touch was sloppy a couple of times, and it just wasn't working for him wide in the left. But... When he gets those little moments in and around the, the, the penalty area, there's nobody more, nobody you'd want more in there. Even Mo at times, like Jota at times is a better finisher than Mo. Mm. Definitely in portrait situations, as you said. Yeah, just, he, he's, he's an instinctive that. finisher, isn't he? Mm. And I think the thing with Gakpo is whenever I understand why we played Gakpo where we did when we had, you know, when you've got Mo and if we had Mano, when we were trying to play. Nunes is the Mane player where he's linking the play and dropping deep. That's not how we're playing this season. Like I always feel like Gakpo needs a forward ahead of him, Dave. So if you're playing on the left, Jota's going to be ahead of him looking to get him behind. Yeah. If you're playing him in between Jota, who doesn't do that off the left, and 
a child, then all you're doing is blunting the attack whenever it goes to him. So I was pleased to see they were the starters, but I just I wish they were swapping roles. I I, I said it on Scouted as well today. I, I would have really been interested to see Gakbo and Jota start as a two with Elliot as a right winger and Doak as a left winger and go 4-4-2 four, mm. four, and not invert the fullback into midfield. You know, just have that double pivot, get those two wide. I, I think Doak is more suited to how we use our left winger in Luis Diaz than how we use our right winger. Because like like we said, the, the end product just isn't there at the moment. Whereas we rely so much on that right-sided thing that a lot of our natural like natural instincts when players are playing is to just look up for that right-wing ball to Mo. And while Harvey won't give you the goals that Mo can give you, he might give you some of the creativity that Mo gives you. So yeah, having say- that as an outlet, I think, would, would work better than having it go to Doak. And then oftentimes he just gets a little case to Milan Barros's gets his head down and, and gets too focused into a 1v1 battle. And look, he's going to be a really good player. I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to be a really good player. He's very exciting to watch. But for the moment, for the good of the team, which I think has to go above everything else, I do think if he's going to play, he'd be more suited to playing on the left. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do agree. Though With Doak... I haven't seen the numbers, but he doesn't look all that much quick, quicker than Elliot to me. And people always say, we can't play Elliot up front because he's not as fast as our forwards. But I do think when you play Elliot on the right and he adapts that more sort of playmaking role where the balls get switched out to the right, Elliot gets it, but he's always looking to play a clever pass or dribble into space to create for, to create for the players around him. And I think that suits Elliot a lot more than playing as a midfielder because he just isn't a midfielder. I think Dope's got more of that burst in him, to be fair, than Elliot. And again, he is 17. He may get grown up limbs at some point, and he might just turn into one of these monster runners like a Gareth Bale or something like that. It might just be a perception. It just doesn't look... Maybe over the first couple of yards, but it doesn't look... Probably because he's short. Quick. <laughs> he just doesn't look very quick over distance, does he? And the way we play, hmm. you know, what was, what was like beat the record for Liverpool player of the day, didn't he? Because he gets yeah, but I think a lot of that's distance. about opportunity, isn't it? Because uh, when do forwards get long striding runs where Sabozlai did that trying to cover back, didn't he, like 50 minutes? Yeah, but, but our forwards do, don't they? Because Mo and we often break from the halfway line. Uh, not against championship teams, though. No, no, just in general, though. Just when people talk about Elliot's lack of pace and everyone's sort of, everyone's really excited about Derek. I just don't, technically I see it, I just don't. I just wonder if he's got the same issue where he's just not going to be as quick mm. as people wish he was. No, but I feel, how old's Elliot? 21 now? We've still got three, three and a bit years to see that, to be fair. So yeah. it's a bit it's a bit strange on judging Doer because he's obviously in the first team, so we have to talk about him. But then you're like, it's a child. <laughs> yeah. We we be it reported to Childline if we talk too long about him. Um we have messages from Trev. I have to read these out because it's technically his podcast. Uh, Endo, Cody and Quans are the big winners for me. Solid showing from the lads. Doak and Elliot, not bad, but the joy in seeing world-class gorgeous bastards like Dom and Darwin coming on and causing carnage again. It's a lovely treat. And he's definitely right. And Dom being that gorgeous and that good at football is just a cheat code of world football and life, the lucky bastard. Um, 
where are we? Should we talk about Leicester for a second, Dave? You've obviously uh, discussed them both on Scouted and um, Daily Red today. Uh, I'll quickly go through their team. I'm not trying to pronounce that goalkeeper's name. Pereira, Suta, Cody, Justin, Casada, uh, Chowdhury, Akgun, McAteer, Indianacho, All Brighton. Um, a lot of names people recognise from their mm. Premier League days. Um, Dave, but it does look like a lot of turnover, and obviously this isn't their complete starting eleven as well. Oh, it's a it's a long way from the starting eleven. It's Pereira is the only starter in that back four. Harry Suter and Connor Cody hadn't kicked a ball this season. Mm. Uh, James Justin is sort of the the backup at both full back spots as he works his way back from serious injuries. It's a backup goalkeeper. It's an entirely backup midfield. Um. And in, other than Casey McAteer, it's an entirely backup attack as well. So it is heavy rotation. Uh, when I saw Harry Souter and Connor Cody's names on the team sheet, I couldn't help but think we're going to score seven or eight here because, I mean, they're both awful. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's not a bad team. There's good players there. That, that left side in particular, Justin Caicedo and McAteer is very good. McAteer has started this season on fire four goals in six games, I think, in the league, five, only five starts, and gets another goal tonight. So Is he from their academy, Dave? Just yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's from their academy. He was out on loan the last couple of seasons. And you'd have to ask the question as to why, because, I mean, they were garbage last season and got relegated. But he had a loan to Forest Green uh, pre-Duncan Ferguson, so he wasn't, he wasn't no. tarnished by, by Big Dunk. That was in January 2022 till the end of that season. Then he spent a few months kicking his heels in the other 21s. And then he got loaned out in January of 2023 to AFC Wimbledon. And he did fairly well there by all accounts. But um, he, he's come in this season and he's he's just been really, really impressive for them. A word on the manager as well. I think, was he at Palmer before he rejoined Pep and the lads? They're obviously top of the championship at the minute. And where the hell are the other promoted teams? The uh, relegated teams. Uh, Leeds are, I think, sixth. And Southampton are, I want to say, 15th. Like 15th Jesus. 14th or 15th, yeah. Woo-hoo. So they're the only ones that got relegated that seem to have settled into life that well. I mean, that kind of shows. Leeds have settled they... in now, but it took them a few weeks. Right. But Maraska got Leicester playing. Quickly, he got he got them turned around fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd been an assistant at Ascoli and then at Sevilla, and then he went to West Ham. And I'm I'm fairly certain he was at West Ham as the assistant to Billich. I want to say, right. but I could be wrong about that. I could definitely be wrong about that. Then he joined City and was working in their academy for a year. Then he got the Parma job. It didn't go particularly well. He got fired. He went back to City and he was Pep's lead assistant last season because Juanma went off to take a job elsewhere. Pep apparently is is very, very keen on him, thinks thinks highly of him. He's an interesting player. Like he's had a very interesting, or he was an interesting player, I should say. He had a very interesting career mm. where he was in the Milan Academy, left and went to Cagliari. Then before he ever made the first team, he left and joined West Brom. And he actually made his professional debut for West Brom and had a couple of seasons there. Then he went to Juve and then he kind of had a journeyman career and played for Sevilla and Olympiacos and Sampdoria and Palermo and a couple of others. But he never hit what was expected. Like when he was coming through the Italian underage groups, 
he was a regular at like 17s, 18s, 19s, 20s, 21s, and then never played for the senior team because he just never hit the level that was expected of him. So he's getting a do-over now as a manager, and he'll hope that he can make a, a better fist of it here because, you know, he's got a great opportunity at Leicester. They're a, they're a big club. There's a lot of quality in the squad. Uh, he, I thought he made some strange decisions in the summer with some of the players that he let go on loan. Mm. Like Luke, Luke, loaning Luke Thomas when you've already loaned Christensen and leaving yourself without a natural left back in the squad. Oh, they're both gone. Jeez. Yeah, it seemed an odd move to me, but he's been playing Callum Doyle at left back, who's nominally a centre back, because he wants to get the right back forward and shift into a back three. So it's working well for them. Um, but look, he's, he's what, 10, 11 games into his, his time there. Uh, three in this cup, eight in the league. And, and so far, things have gone very, very well. Nine wins, two defeats, 81% win rate. That's 81.8, so almost 82%, which, you know, I mean, that's, that's about six Duncan Ferguson's, you know, so that's pretty good. Not quite there. Not quite as good as Duncan Ferguson, though. Not well, he did, not not as good for the content. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And if this was Duncan Ferguson, we'd have an extra hour. But we'll move on from Enzo. <laughs> um, let's get into the game then. Um, we kind of rushed over the first fifteen because we all didn't see it. Um, but we did miss a few chances in that time. Obviously, Jota forgot how to use his limbs, as I mentioned. Doak missed. Open goal would be harsh because it was from an angle. But I think he should score. But we're not going to um, focus on Dork too much. Um, Stephen, we'll get the boring referee discussion out the way. I mean, ref watch, he's called Tim Robinson. It's very EDLE, And he did look a bit middle-aged. And he wasn't very good, I don't think. Especially that first half, there was a lot that got missed. Um, obviously, there was no VAR in this one, Stephen. And I think that's understandable. There's different levels of stadium, etc., but I think this competition and performances like that by referees is probably the strongest argument for VAR staying in the bloody game because we brought VAR into this game, or the FA and et cetera brought VAR into this game because referees weren't up to the fucking level. And this game shows that. Like, there's obvious shit people that they missed. I'm sure the other 10 EFL Cup games that were on today, there was refereeing mistakes galore. And VAR is a fucking annoyance to everyone who watches football. But the level of refereeing is that shit. Yeah, it just has to be in the game. Yeah, if you're not going to have VAR, at least make sure the referee can like run the length of the pitch and keep up with the ball and be close enough to the action to make a decision, right? I'm fairly certain I've seen better referees on Welcome to Wrexham. That is harsh on Welcome to Wrexham. <laughs> He was, just, he, he was just, he just wasn't very good. He was just wasn't close. He just never looked like he was close enough to play. So a lot of the decisions I think he got wrong because he couldn't see them. And if you're going to have, as you said, ancient-looking slow referees, at least give them a help with VAR. Um, he was just a bit rubbish. Mm. And to be fair, I mean, I, I think there was like a handful of games on yesterday, and obviously there's a lot of teams playing on Sundays and stuff like that. So I'm guessing there was a few lower league referees in, in these higher-up games that they're probably not used to. So I'd, the fixture list obviously wouldn't help because I'm guessing the elite refs would have done yesterday and the like 
another big handful of games. So you have to go to the the lower leagues for refs. And I know this is a boring conversation, but Dave, to get your two cents on it, I mean, the refereeing standard is what it is, and that's why VAR needs to stay, in my opinion, unless you differ to it. No, I, I mean I'm I'm fully in favour of, of VAR. I just wish they'd implemented properly and you know train the VAR separately, not have them be referees, have them be their own independent body, have them have more oversight. Um I thought Robinson he, he tried he tried to you know let the game flow and he just ended up missing quite a lot. Like there was a number of quite blatant fouls. He was very late with his whistle as well. Like there was a couple of times yeah. where the ball had gone 40 yards and there'd been a pass or two played and then he's calling it back. Um, he's refereed twice in the Premier League this season. He refereed Tottenham against Bournemouth and Forest against Chelsea. He's also refereed twice in the Championship, Bournemouth against Leeds, Middlesbrough, Southampton. And then tonight, so five games in total, hmm. um, he'd handed out 20 yellow cards. He's handed out 20 yellow cards. And tonight... I think he handed out three. So 17 in the four games before tonight, including seven in the Chelsea versus Forest game. So it was a little bit unlike him seemingly to to not have the cards flying tonight. Hmm. But like, he's not a regular Premier League referee. He's like almost a fill-in. So I'm guessing when, you know, there's a Premier League referee. Yeah, you know, like when a Premier League referee maybe has a weekend off or gets dumped down into the championship or, or left off the road for a week. It's someone like him that get, gets called up. Like, what was your man's name that got stood down after the nonsense against United and Wolves? Like, this guy oh, is probably the, the type... Guy. Yeah, yeah, this guy's probably the type that gets called up to replace him. Um, but look, <laughs> nobody nobody was injured as a result of his incompetency and it didn't cost us the game... The first goal, from from what I've read, I haven't seen it yet, but from what I've read, there's two controversies. Is there a foul in the build-up and is the player offside? Now, you don't think he's offside, Stephen does. Hmm. But what about the foul? Do you think there was a foul in the build-up? When I first saw it, I thought it was weak by Simicast, but when you watched it back, he does catch him. It's one of those where I think Premier League, you probably get it, and then lower leagues, not a not a chance. <laughs> So probably a 50-50 foul, but we're used to Premier League refs, so I'd probably say A foul. Um, but either way, it didn't matter in the end. It was just kind of an annoyance. But, I mean, us conceding first, it's it's just the way. It's, it's the way football is now. And 3-1, put your money on for the weekend, lads. Um, yeah, it was, it was a strange goal, um, but I'm sure there'll be people in, in the chat discussing Um if it was a foul or not now. Um, but we'll go we'll go through the uh, rest of the first half because I think we're already about 40 minutes in, 35 minutes in. Um, we had a lot of chances cleared off the line, Stephen. We had the Gakpo one cleared off the line. Uh, Gakpo had another chance later in the half that um, Ricardo Pereira, who's somehow a championship footballer now, which is terrifying, um, Blocked a nice Gakpo chance. Uh, Kwanzaa forgot how to football for a little bit towards the end of the half where he just missed the ball and they had a chance to run through. Um, but the first half wasn't the more eventful one. It was obviously the second half that was, but 
yeah, the first half we had we had a couple opportunities. Maybe could have had one cleared off the line. But what what, what did you make of the rest of that first half? Mostly that Cody Gapo was trying to show that Nunes that he can be worse at taking shots than Nunes, <laughs> and that I really really dislike Connor Cody. Because for some reason he's terrible all the time, but he loves he loves a goal line clearance against us, or a stupid goal. Um, but it wasn't that particularly eventful, was it? No, well, it wasn't too eventful. Obviously, we had the most of the ball after the game settled into life, didn't we? And that that's pretty much how he died a death in, in the first. There was half. a Harvey free kick that hit the wall, which is when I was like, "Holy shit, Curtis is playing." Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, it's always a good sign when you don't notice a player till the 25th minute or whatever it was. <laughs> um, yeah, Dave, I mean, the first, the bit to the first half you, you saw, I mean, it just kind of settled into them playing on the counter-attack, but mm. we didn't really give them opportunity after we settled in a bit. No, no, once we settled in and we found our rhythm and we were able to pen them back in and we, we opened up a couple of times and, like, we just missed some chances. Um that like they were literally just trying to hump it long to Mac uh, to here and and hope he could create something. But I thought Ebu dealt well with him. I thought Curtis dealt fairly well with him. And overall, we we just basically killed off any opportunities that they had. Um, and, and Quivin had a very a very dull after a dull evening after <laughs> like they they had one shot on target and they scored from it. That was the third minute. They didn't they didn't trouble him. Mm. After that, they had three shots that went wider over. So, you know, very, very easy evening for him. All he got was a bit of kicking practice. But as I said earlier, like we, we could easily have gone in 3 1 up. And then the, the, everybody's opinion on the game obviously would, would shift because everyone would just say, oh, we were really good because we, won th- we, we were 3 1 up after 45 minutes. But it was the same 45 minutes, which was a little bit sloppy, a little bit disjointed. No real cohesion or familiarity because every line had some. Well, the midfield obviously had played together against last, but the defense and, and attack had, you know, little in terms of, you know, games together. Uh, mm. Obviously, the, the, the attack is always going to chop and change when you've got as many options as we do. I think the same will be true of the midfield, but defense is where it can be really tricky because you want partnerships, you want understanding, you want almost telepathic understandings between players where if one of them steps out, 
the other nose to cover. And I did think, to the credit, despite a couple of shaky moments in the first half, Kwanzaa and, and Ibu did start to find a bit of a rhythm together as the game went on. And they had little mm. to do, but, you know, Ian Acho barely had a kick of the ball. And he's he's a good player. Premier League proven player, yeah. I, I thought Kwanzaa you... and Ibu, they just looked fairly controlled. Yeah. Like, they looked untroubled. But uh, Costas also remembered to go and stand with the defenders rather than just find the opposition box, which probably helped out Kwanzaa a fair bit. No, he didn't have to cover all that space on his own. Mm. I don't know if you felt the same, but in the second half, even though we weren't scoring, it wasn't like last season where you know the sky was falling in all the time. It was just one of those games where it was, it's been a bit dull, but these are shites. We're definitely going to score at some point, and we'll win this game. We just need to remember how to score the first goal. Like, I know, I, there was no point of watching that game today where I wasn't convinced we were just going to walk it in the second half. Oh, there was no sense of dread in that game at all. Like, no. we, we've all we've all seen the horrendous near upsets. Even like Hot Haven't and Waterloo, Bill just jumped into my mind. Ugh, that like was nearly a, a scar. <laughs> uh, I feel like playing FIFA with like an eight year old. When the first half you spend the whole match chatting, and the second half you're like, I better beat them now. Yeah, yeah, it's a good description of it. It is. Um, I mean, whilst we're on it, we we start the second half. We basically score straight away, and Steve and stick them with you. Uh, nice work from Gravenberch. It's interesting seeing him because it was such a not random signing because it was linked for basically all year, but it was just a signing. I don't think lots of us expected to happen, and then he's here, not starting, but he comes on. The, you see the moments of magic, and you're like, there's definitely something in there. But a nice touch from him, plays it through to Gakpo, who's just onside. I think it's just in keeping him on. Uh, and a nice turn and finish from, from Gakpo. It's a, re- it's a really nice turn and finish, to be fair. It is a nice finish, which made up for the... E- this is why I made the Nunes comment. Like There were definitely easier chances he missed in the first half. Um, I thought Ryan Gravenberch looked quietly confident. And I know he's. I don't think he's ever had a bit of self doubt in his life. To be fair, no, no, but he just looked. He looked like he was just getting on with business. He looked confident and composed. He didn't do anything particularly wrong. He didn't do anything particularly. Okay, he missed that volley, didn't he, in the first half? But he didn't do anything where you predicted we were worried about it. But it was a lovely. It was a really nice ball through to to Gakpo. He just, you know, looked like he was having quite an easy game, getting used to the players around him. And he looks surprisingly massive as well. I know he's six two, which is quite tall, but compared to some of our players, that isn't that tall. And he looks massive compared to the rest he does, of the He field. does, doesn't he? Like, he's got, I think he's got those Dom jeans. Where I'm not, I'm not sure how tall Dom is. I think he's probably six two as well. And he just looks much bigger. But yeah. maybe we, it's the Bouvach roid flakes we used to put in Joe Gomez, where he just looked massive. Maybe they're just starting to kick in. Um, Dave, your thoughts on the goal? It's. Um, Nice touch from Gravenberch, really nice mm. finish. Yeah, it's, it's lovely from Gravenberch to shift it right foot to left foot and, and play it first time. Um, and Cody does really well. It's a lovely spin, a lovely finish. And, you know, Gravenberch in the first half, you, you could see the little flashes of quality, but there was little bits of frustration with it as well because there was just some passes that were a little bit under hit or his touch sometimes. It was almost like he was thinking two and three moves ahead and just missed the the first play. The one thing I'd say with, with him and with, with Cody in particular as well, 
you'd love them to be more aggressive. You'd love them to play their size a bit more. Like Cody 6'4", Gravenberch is 6'3". And they look big because they are big, but they don't play big. Like they don't use that physicality enough. There's moments when they do, but it's generally to shield the ball. You'd love to see them just go and bully people at times. You really yeah. would, because I think if they could do that, you could unlock something completely different with them, like a, a new level to their games, especially with Gravenberch playing in the middle of the park. There's, there's no one will ever doubt that the chap has a huge amount of natural ability. Like his technical level is is incredible, but it's just it's just that that aggression, that desire, that that bit of extra hunger that you want to see from him. And it's often the case with a lot of Dutch players that they're very very relaxed and laid back. Like Vir- Virgil's another one we can criticize for this at times. Virgil at times is, is too laid back, mm-hmm. but you know when I think of the great Dutch midfielders like Seedorf. And Davids and Rijkaard, the the aggression was what really lifted them because they all had incredible technical ability. Mm-hmm. But then those three in particular had that level of aggression that just enabled them to become the very best versions of themselves. And I think Davids was a lunatic. Davids was a lunatic, but he was for him. It was more about curbing the aggression. And, and tapping into the, ta- the the technical ability, but Edgar Davids is as technically gifted a player as we've seen in the last forty years. He could play anywhere across the midfield. He could play at left back. He could play on the wing. Once he curbed that aggression, he was just sensational. When Sadorf went to Sampdoria, he wasn't aggressive enough. When he went to AC Milan and he worked under Capello and he added that aggression to his game, that's when he became a world class player. Frank Reichardt is the same. There's the stories of Reichardt when he's younger and being a little bit soft, a little bit laid back. And then he had a falling out with a coach and he started to play angry. And when he did that, he was the best midfield player in the world and would translate that to being a great centre-back and an all-time great player. There were fans last season that said Nunes wasn't aggressive and he was too passive. Mm. And this season, he is most certainly turning into an absolute nuisance. Yeah. And using his physicality. But, you know, when Darwin arrived, he had that aggression and then he got sent off. Yeah. And it kind of seemed like he maybe went too far in the other direction Mm. and became too passive. But he's channeling He's channeling it in the right ways now. So yeah. hopefully, if they can get him to do it, they just need to say to I can't. I just can't see. I can't see it in Gagbo, but I can um, see in Gravenberg. I can see it in Gravenberg going. Do more of what he's doing. You can do this. Like you've got the physicality for this. You can boss a game if you want to. But it's the Premier League. It's you know if you want to boss a game, you need to throw yourself into it a bit more. I, I have the draw. If anyone wants to hear it. Uh, yeah, it doesn't might, involve, might as well go through it. Okay, doesn't involve Manchester City, does it? No, it does not. Manchester City knocked out tonight. Brighton knocked out tonight. So this draw has this this competition has taken a positive spin for us. So uh, Mansfield versus Port Vale, beautiful. So you get a lower league team into the next round. Ipswich versus Fulham. Obviously, Ipswich had the good comeback win against Wolves. Manchester United versus Newcastle. Oh, lovely. So, repeat of last year's final. So, that one should be fun. Uh, Chelsea versus Blackburn. West Ham versus Arsenal. Everton versus Burnley. 
Exeter, shout out Copology, against Middlesbrough, shout out Guy Drinkle, and Bournemouth against Liverpool. So we are away to Bournemouth in the next round. If we can get past Bournemouth, that's near perfect in terms of big Premier League teams. Mm. Even teams like West Ham played play in each other. And then you'll you'll get Mansfield or or Port Vale. So there's one lower league team, Exeter or Middlesbrough. So there's there's at least two lower league teams in the next round. Everton, Everton versus Burnley. I mean, everybody's going to want the winner of that one too. So there, there's three, and even Ipswich versus Fulham. Like there's four potentially very favourable draws in the next round. You'd you'd want the only teams you'd look at and say you'd want to avoid them till maybe the semis, Newcastle. Although we have a bit of a a hold over them and Arsenal, Mm. and again we've got a bit of a hold over them and Chelsea just because it'll end one one. Chelsea will end up in a draw and penalty shootout, and they don't have Kepa there anymore to ruin it all for them. So mind, I think Robert Sanchez will probably kill someone in the crowd just as much as Kepa. I don't even know if his penalty hit the it would hit the would reach the goal. I reckon he'd come up and try and panank it and get it two feet. Yeah. But I think Bournemouth away is, is a good draw. What you're saying is we're going to win the quadruple? No, I'm I'm saying we're going to win the treble of League Cup, FA Cup and Europa League and finish second in the Premier League. Which is really winning the Premier League. Yes, we're, we'll win not, the non-cheating Premier League. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yep. No, that's a good draw. That's basically a perfect draw. And I can't let me check who said it. Um, Willology said hopefully they're, they've got to rest a few lads if they are in a relegation scrap at the time. But, but I think Bournemouth have been good this season, to be fair. They've just had a really tough start. But it should be a fun game either way. The, the game against them the other week was quite fun. Um, let's get back into the game. Um my next note is basically it seems to be Grav Gakpo and Elliot doing quite a bit of our attacking play. Um, Dave, you've been a bit up and down with Elliot. You obviously don't fancy him as a midfielder. But I think this season he does seem to have maybe taken that jump in terms of development because I think after his injury, he obviously lost that season, then there was the knock-on of that injury. It, 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 do you think this is the season where we could see that jump in development? I know you not don't fancy him as a midfielder, but he does seem to have changed, in my opinion. He he's gotten a lot more um a lot more aggressive, funnily enough. He's he's become much more of a pest to the opposition off the ball. And he, he's doing a lot more off the ball. Now, once the ball bypasses him, he's still a bit of a lost cause, but there's definitely been improvements there. Um he seems a bit more considered in possession as well. He's not as hurried as he was last season, and that's understandable last year the team was dreadful and I think because he's a Liverpool fan and and we saw it at times with Trent and we see the times with Curtis when things aren't going all that well there's there's more than just the normal level of giving giving a shit that you see with footballers those lads really care and it will affect them much more than say some of their teammates if the result isn't positive so they go and they play a little bit of hero ball. We used to see Gerard do this all the time. Now, it was different with Stevie because... He had to. <laughs> be, no, but because he was he was Stephen Gerrard. So eight times out of ten, it came off for him. Mm. With Harvey last season, we saw him at times try and do things that were simply outside of his level of ability. 
And then we, did, we saw it come off like, what was it, the Wolves Cup game, was it? The Wolves Cup game is a, yeah. a great example where he just absolutely pings it in the top, top bin. But even when it came to like, you know, trying to beat two and three players at once mm-hmm. without that burst, without that level of physicality, now he's a lot more considered. He's beating that first man and then he's immediately looking to shift the ball on and then get himself into a better position to get the ball back. And we're we're seeing him affect games a lot more positively this year. The talent is there. But I'll stand by what I've said. I don't think he's a midfielder long-term, not if we have real ambition. I don't know if he's ever going to be a long-term starter for us, but I do think he can have a really vital role in the squad as an attacking option, primarily off the right, coming Mm -hmm. in field. Now, he could also play a little bit off the left. We've seen him at times drift left and he's got a, a really nice delivery on him. So if you had that out ball on the right and you had him on the left just to get crosses in and feed players into the gap, then he can definitely affect games more. But I, I thought he's another one that grew into the game tonight and, and really started to show a lot more, was involved in a lot of our best interplay and uh, certainly positive, you know, like he, he's had some really good impacts off the bench. Didn't play all that well against Lask, but was involved in a goal. And tonight, I thought he was he was a step up. I thought he was I thought he was good tonight. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. He started a couple of attacks as well by winning the ball back. Mm. Mm. which is nice to see him doing as you said with that physicality but it's actually and that sort of aggression but he's actually there's an end result he's not just trying to tackle he's actually won the ball and set us off on really quick attacks with it so I also think he could play as a 10 day in the against the right teams nobody's further at the pitch nobody plays a 10 anymore it's not too far 10 anymore he could if we hired Arsene Wenger <laughs> or, as a manager. Or, or just not pepping his hipster tactics. Nah, Klopp binned the, the number 10 when he left Germany. He doesn't do that shit anymore. <laughs> um, anyway, we are, I think we don't, we don't want to go too long with this. We'll go through the second half and we'll get on to the pornography that um, Dominic Subozlai brought on as well. Um, somehow Gakpo didn't score from a scramble uh, about 56 minute. Um, just 
just cleared off the line again. Uh, Jota has a half chance. Um, Leicester bring on some of their first teamers. I think this is when Ndidi comes on just before we bring on Dom and Darwin for Doak and Gravenberch. I had no idea what formation we were playing on, uh, playing with after the after the subs. But Dave, I mean, you were a big proponent of this of this us signing this lad, and I've even seen lads we almost signed Jude Bellingham, and we've got the right lad here. I won't comment on that. But uh, Dominic Sabozlai, fuck me. What a yeah, shot. Nearly I mean, killed someone. That that goal, um, like Anfield and the cop in particular, have seen some incredible goals over the years, many by, by Steven Gerrard and, and obviously many others. There's probably not been too many that were struck better than that one in mm. the entire history of, of Anfield. Like that is, th- that's outrageous. Like that is absolutely outrageous how hard he hit that ball. You could have put five keepers. The keeper could have been stood where the ball went in and he wasn't saving it. And if it hit him, he's in hospital. Yeah. He's in hospital or he's in the cop and there's a, a, a goalkeeper shaped hole in the net like that ball exploded off his foot. And that's one of the things I did highlight about Dominic is he has this ability to generate sensational amounts of power in his shot. But like that is, that's one of the best strikes I've ever seen. Like in terms of how clean he hit it. And you, if you watch that, the ball, there's like the instant ping off his foot and then it like gets this second burst of energy after about three feet and it just explodes into the net. And there's nothing that keeper can do about it. Nothing. He might as well have just turned and waved at it because nothing was going to stop it going in. That is an outrageous goal by an outrageously talented player. And what was funny was he comes on and one of the first thing he, things he does is stand on the ball Mm-hmm. and send it Scotland off to the side and ruin a counter-attack. <laughs> and he had a couple of other iffy moments, like a couple of passes that just didn't go right for him. And you're thinking, geez, Dominic's having a a, a normal human human's game of football here. Like he's just, he, he's decided to come on and play at the level of opposition here. And then he does that. Just luring him into a like, false sense of security. It's just, but he's now scored two goals for us, both of them from long range, one off either mm-hmm. foot. And the technical level, like that's a flawless strike. That's first touch out of the feet, step onto it and just literally put your foot through it. And it, it, as as the fella says, it stayed hit. Yeah. And the thing is, we've not had a threat from outside the box since Coutinho. And yeah. We've not had a threat from outside. The, we had Ox, but Ox's Liverpool career was very up and down. We've not had a long-range threat for midfield since Gerrard. Yeah, and like even with Phil, I mean, for every one that found its way into the top corner, eight found their way into the crowd. Yeah. like that, Dominic that, is a different level. That did remind me of one of my favourite Torres goals, though, which was slightly different, but hit just as well. And it's uh, it's a volley he hits against Blackburn. Blackburn, the ball is played down the yeah, right channel, he controls yeah, it on his thigh and swivels and hits it as hard as he can. Carrick along ball. Do you know but, what it reminded me of? Remember that Gerrard goal? Was it away to Newcastle? It's a free kick. I think Risa or Haman rolls it to him, but they roll it a bit too far and he has to readjust his step. 
and he takes like one elongated step and then gets into his stride and he absolutely hammers the ball as yeah. hard as he can. That's, That's like, what it reminded me of. That that level of just pure power. Was that the game Shea Given was man of the match and we won 5 0? I believe so, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, apart from the likes of Torres and Gerard, we haven't had that many players who can hit it that mm. hard and that cleanly. That's this is no. this kid. The, the kid is just he, like He's, we've gotten ourselves an absolute gem here. Like he is, he is only going to get so much better. He's twenty two. He turns twenty three next month. He hasn't even sniffed his prime. Like his prime is years away, and, and that's he's only going to get better. I think it was uh, Ralph uh, Hodgenstein on one of the Totally shows. He, he just did not expect him to settle in this quickly. And he's mm. just seemingly taken a massive jump from his Leipzig days. And he was really good at Leipzig. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, he was really good in his two full seasons at Leipzig. And he was really good before that with Salzburg. Like, mm. the, the the thing with this guy is, like, he plays at Leifering a full season. His first full season, he scores 10 goals. The next season... He splits that season between Leifring and Salzburg. He plays 29 games. He gets 11 goals. The next season, he gets 12 goals. Then 2021, he has nine goals in the first 22 games. Then he gets injured and misses the rest of the season, but he was on track for 10 goals. The two full seasons at Leipzig, 10 goals each season. So every year this guy has played, he's been double figures goals or on track for double figures goals. And he's just getting better and better. And the creativity is there. The work rate is there. The running power is there. The aggression is there. Like, he is just, he's a really special player. And Endo got the assist. Yeah, and who would have had Endo and Jarrell Kwanza assists in a game on their bingo card going into this one? That, someone making a lot, of, someone making a lot of money on a bet. Like, it's a lovely little disguise pass into, into Dom as well. Because he has a couple of did, more obvious passes. It was a great pass. But I also thoroughly enjoyed it when Endo kicked um, Trudery. Because he's just such an annoying footballer. Chowdhury, inj- yeah, who's injured so many people. So when he got a good quality kick from Endo today, I enjoyed mm. that. He, he, didn't, uh, he did a heavy tackle on someone today, didn't he? Mm. I didn't know. Down, I can't remember. I think it was Gravenberch. I think it was Gravenberch, yeah. Mm. Gravenberch is a, is a good, big, strong lad, so he, he bounced up fairly quick. But yeah, I, I quite enjoyed him getting his own medicine from somebody who isn't the biggest midfielder. Yeah. It was nice to see Endo, because he's had a... I thought he had a bit of a weird first half where he wasn't involved, but he certainly sec- second half thought he was really good. He looked a lot more settled in the second half. Yeah, I think the entire team did, to be fair. And bringing on the first team, lads, just exclamation mark, I think. Um, let's get through the rest of the second half because we're not topping that Dominic, Dominic fuck-off goal, are we? Uh, Kwanzaa defends well uh, whilst Ibu went hunting in midfield for a little bit. Uh, Darwin tries a shot from distance. Leicester have a wide free kick that didn't lead to anything. We bring on Bassetic. I think uh, Leicester makes some subs here, bringing on like Pats and Dakar, etc. Um, some lads we knew f- know from previous years. Uh, Dominic tried to kill people in the crowd this time with a very hard shot. <laughs> Leicester have a shout for a penalty. Uh, Elliot, for some reason, didn't take a shot whilst he was in the box. I think he just forgot he had the ball. Um, Le- Leicester have a chance. It's nice defending from Basetic. 
Darwin has a shot. Uh, coming at you, Dave, well, you mentioned the Kwanzaa assist. Just fancies an adventure up on the right. Nice little cross to uh, Jota, as you mentioned. Jota having the most Jota of uh, performances. Was kind of crap. Ends up with a goal. And yeah, I mean, goal. just just if I can rewind a little bit there, yes. just that the, the Besetic defending against Ndidi is brilliant. Because Ndidi is bombing into the box, picks that ball up in stride. It gets a little bit caught under his feet. And there's a, a, a split second before it where Stefan maybe could have lunged in, but might not have gotten the ball. But he waited mm. and he timed the challenge brilliantly. And he does really well to just kind of knock it out of where he can where he can shoot from. So that's really good. And then the third goal, like it's a bit of a, a broken play in midfield. The ball kind of gets lofted out to the right. Kwanzaa goes hunting it. James Justin's quite weak there. Get, kind of feels a little bit of Kwanzaa's weight and just falls over. And Kwanzaa, like this is this is really impressive from any player mm-hmm. of that age, let alone a centre back, to pick that ball up, drive into their box, and then have the composure and awareness to get his head up and pick the right pass. And when he sees Jota, it would have been very easy to play it in front of him. Mm. But he might not have gotten a shot away. Now I'm not saying he played it thinking Jota's gonna back heal this into in off the post, but he plays it to his outside foot in a way that if Jota had wanted to, he could have taken it, swiveled, kind of the opposite of what Cody had done earlier, and shot with his left foot. And um instead Jota flicks it with the back heel in off the post, and three one is is more than a fair reflection of the game because you know we could have been three one up at half time. You mentioned that Cody chance where I think it's a really good save initially and then there's a bit of a scramble. Yeah, Harvey probably should get a shot away and score, but the ball seems to get trapped under his feet. Darwin had a couple of half chances that maybe he could have taken on another day. Elliot cleared one off, uh, got one cleared off the got line. Got one cleared off the well. line. So, like, you know, we did create a bunch of really good chances in this game. And on another night, we, we, we might have won 6 or 7-1. And... It, that might have been a little bit unfair on Leicester, but I don't think it would have been a massive, a massive difference to what we actually saw. I, you know, we weren't at our best; we weren't great by any stretch, but we we were relentless. We were aggressive. We were incisive, and we just did manage to open them up. And a big part of that, obviously, is Harry Souter is a yard dog, and Con- Connor Cody's garbage. But we took advantage of the fact that they had a yard dog and a fellow who's garbage. And we made them pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice to see. And it's nice to see we are contractually obligated to win 3-1 nowadays as well. Um, yeah, Stephen, your your thoughts on the goal before we finish up? Was it Harvey wins the ball back, which then goes out to Kwanzaa? I think so. Didn't he slide tackle something? Yeah, it was a slide tackle. Yeah. And there was something about Kwanzaa, like, the, like they... Um, the confidence he had carrying the ball forward, it reminded me of Joe Gomez in his, you know, that first big season, mm. which must have been like 17, 18, maybe, you know, how 16, went, 17, I think, when, when him and Trent were flipping right back. Yeah, when he I was think. playing, it was, I think it was his first big season, he was playing a lot of games. And he just had that, Gomez had that confidence and self belief in his, because he was quick and he was strong and he knew he could do it right. And, um, Kwanzaa just exuded that today and I thought it was just 
that might be the best assist he ever gets as a centre-back, and it was mm. glorious. But my favourite thing about the whole goal is it's a stunning finish, cheeky finish from Jota. Camera pans to him. He looks like he doesn't give two shits. He just wants to get on and play a FIFA. He just looks completely unemotionally <laughs> involved in what just happened. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's nice to see he's just deadly in front of goal. And it, well, I think it was 17, 18, the, the flip rule. It was Klein, I think it was Klein doing non-football things in 16, 17. Um, yeah, no, is really good. And he, he's a, he'll be an interesting one for this season because was it Bristol Rovers he was at last season? And a, to go from either League One and League Two to... And being married, managed by Joey Barton. That's yes, that's fair. never a good thing. And now getting semi-regular minutes in, in Europe and, and for Liverpool in general. It's going to be an interesting season for him. Um, is, is he, I think he's England under-20 captain, isn't he, or something like that? So, um, something like definitely that. in the England under-20 team. Yeah. He was part of that team at the the World Cup earlier this year when Kaysaidi, funnily enough, was the uh, was player of the tournament. Uh, yeah, but then he signed for Chelsea and gave up on football. Yeah, and then he got, yeah. got gets loaned out to Leicester. So having lost last year of his career sitting in the Chelsea stand. I think he, he was at Reading, wasn't he? Harvey Vale. He was oh, at Reading. He was at Reading the second half of last season. Yeah. Uh, Harvey Vale of Chelsea, who's now on, who's funnily enough now on loan <laughs> the Rovers, uh, he was captain right. last year or, or in the tournament of the England or 20s, but it may well be that Kwanzaa has captained them since. Right, okay. Anyway, I mean, just to finish on them, Dave, you you obviously love the defending side of the game. Big, big future for him, or is it too early to tell? It's still too early. I mean, he's very, very young, but the signs are promising. The only thing you'd say he lacks is that maybe extra yard of pace. Mm. But the most highly thought of young centre-back in England right now is Levi Colwell, who's not the quickest in the world either. Um, like he's not slow, Kwanzaa's not slow. They just don't have that sort of extra burst the way Virgil or Ibu do. Um, Kwanzaa's actually a month older than Levi Cole, which I didn't realize. Is he? Jesus. Yeah, he's the 29th of January, and Colwell is the 26th of February. So 27 days between them. Um, but ba- based on what we've seen so far this season, one of them looks like they might command a 60 or 70 million pound fee and the other one doesn't. And it's not what you would have thought during the summer. Yeah. And I, we, I think we were all disappointed. We didn't get that extra center back, but if, if he has a year of development, he catches up with someone like Colwell, it saves us that big money. Yeah. Well, Matt, Matt probably leaves next summer. And if Kwanzaa carries on developing and getting games and impressing the way he has, then there's no reason he can't just step into that Matip void moving yeah. forward long term. You know, even if he's never a first choice centre back for us, if he's just a really reliable fourth choice centre back, mm. that's that's great. That's twenty five million saved on the transfer market. So, you know, this is what our academy needs to be giving us: is is footballers like Gerald Kwanzaa, footballers like Curtis Jones, young lads that can play and give us a solid 7 out of 10 as a baseline. That's all you're asking for. And if he can replace Matip, that would be ideal, right? Because he's, what, 6'3", he's a big lad he's going to keep wearing. If he can get close to 
Matip's aerial numbers. He looks like he can carry the ball the way Matip does. Maybe not as well, but it looks like he can carry the ball, right? Especially with that run mm-hmm. today. So if he can give us an option for when we want a centre-back to carry the ball rather than pass it and to be a big physical unit, he could be a really useful full yeah. centre-back. and he's a good passer. I mean, the one thing Joey Barton kept banging on about last year was how good on the ball Kwanzaa was. And, like, I don't know whether Joey Barton is going to be a good manager in the long term. He did okay with Fleetwood. He's done just about okay with Bristol Rovers, but like he was a player for a long time and he was a decent player. Like Joey Barton has become historically underrated as a player, but he was a good player. And he's talked, he talked openly about how good Kwanzaa was on the ball and said he was destined for the top. And here's that word again, aggression. He's got that aggression to his game. You know, we saw him make a really good tackle late in the game and win a goal kick from it by playing it off McAteer and get up and celebrate it. He got sent off last season for violent conduct, which obviously is not ideal, but at least it shows he's not a shrinking violet. It shows he's not going to be intimidated. And what I love about him, and I said this every time I've seen him play this year, nothing phases him. Came on at Newcastle. Like that's, an, that's a fairly intense atmosphere. Came on and looked like he'd been at this for five or six years. What, like, what do you mean debut? That this is just football. It's just what I do. He might as well have been down the park having a kick about with his mates. He just looked so comfortable. Same thing when he made his debut at Anfield. Very, very easy for him. Played against Wolves. Looked like he'd been at it years. Only went off because he got a bit of cramp. Like every test that they've put in front of him this year, this season rather, he has passed with flying colours. And long may it continue. I think that's a perfect way to finish up. Um, any plug from you, Dave? Or Stephen, you may surprise us, Stephen, but anything from you, Dave, in particular? Uh, just the, the usual dailies, and we'll have a scouted on Friday for the Spurs game. Anything from you, Stephen? Uh, hopefully uh, Bournemouth away in the, in the um, Carabao Cup. We'll, we'll see. Do, if I fancy doing more, if I fancy doing more podcasts, you'll be on. If not, you won't be. <laughs> um, I just want to keep the cup run going. Yeah, you took yeah. me off last year, and we lost. So I'm blaming you. I remember that was like a year ago. Um, anyway, we'll finish up there. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, I, that was probably the busiest I've seen the Discord feed as well. So big thanks to everyone. It's not even Trev. It's me. Jesus, what's wrong with you people? But anyway, thank you, everyone, for listening. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.